is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was the new Century Jazz Quintet with Bird in Hand. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And very luckily for you, we put right alongside them someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them a business shaper. I'm really pleased to say my business shaper today is Logan Naidu. He's the founder and CEO of Dartmouth Partners, and they are a recruitment business who focus on the professional service world and fast-growing companies, and they're pretty trailblazing in their own right. You're going to be hearing lots from the young man in front of me uh, right now. In addition to hearing from Logan, you're going to be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then we got the music and we got some brilliant stuff today, including Harold Lopez Nusa, Luis Prima, BB King and this from Yana Bip. If the shoe don't fit... Honey, don't keep it on If you're looking for a king Why settle for a pawn? If you don't want to stay that was Yana Bibb with Bessie's Advice, and that's Eric Bibb's daughter and a bit of new music for you here on Jazz Shapers. Logan Nider is my business shaper today. He's the founder and CEO of Dartmouth Partners, a good name. I'm going to find out why it's called that in a moment. They are specialists in the world of recruitment, which often gets a bad name, but I'm sure he's going to tell us why it shouldn't. And they focus specifically on the professional service world and also on fast growth companies. Logan, in his own right, I must add, just to embarrass him, has been named, and I quote, I'm sure this went down well with your kids and your wife, as you said it. He is apparently one of the 500 most influential people in the UK, according to the Sunday Times. Thank you very much for coming. We have no idea how they put this list together. I would love to know how any of these lists are put together. Um, Logan, joking aside, tell me a little bit about why you left. I think you did, you studied at Birmingham University. You went and did all the usual things that smart people do that aren't quite sure what they want to do, but they know they're going to make a bit of money. You were an analyst at JP Morgan. You went into PwC's corporate finance team. And then you went, you know what, I'm, I'm going to set up my own business. You set up your first business called the Cornell Partnership back in 2005. You've then gone and sold that and you've gone on to create Dartmouth Partners in 2012. Were you always going to do your own thing? I think like lots of entrepreneurs, you learn more about yourself as as you get a bit older. Unfortunately for me, I learned quite early on that I wasn't cut out for corporate life. So I think I I did a year to the day at JP Morgan because that's how long my golden handcuffs lasted for. Moved to PwC to do the same job for a little bit less money, but but realised quite early on, and I think they realised for me too, that coming into a big office environment and a corporate world and being a very small cog just didn't work for me. And I found I found it very difficult to, to stay awake in the office, let alone actually be productive. So they were they were kind enough to call it redundancy. 
at the time and uh, came out in 2003, having had two jobs out of university in three years and, and not knowing what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was thinking at the time about potentially going to work for the church. Um, I, I flirted with the idea of being being a dancer. We won't go into that. You've got a very nice um, figure, man. Thank, thank you very much. You should see my hips sway. <laughs> um, and, and I was talking to a bunch of recruitment consultants at the time and, and uh, one of them offered me a job. Uh, and I joined them very briefly. Uh, and the thing that I liked straight away was the, the clear correlation between input and output. You know, you, you could, having been in a big, big machine where you, you didn't know where your work went and you couldn't see the outputs, the recruitment's a great industry for, for saying, if I do X, Y happens and I get Y. Uh, and for me, that was, that was magical. And this thing, and I hear it often, I wasn't cut out for corporate life. Corporate life is full of people who've got energy and uh, and do their own thing and, and all that, and yet they fit. What was the bit? What was the, the crunch? Was it just that sense of, as you said, being such a small cog that in reality, if you didn't do what you needed to do, it wouldn't matter? I think looking at my temperament, I think if you look back on it, I was immature. You know, I thought I had it all worked out, um, as most 21-year-olds do, um, and there's an immaturity to me. Uh, and then... Character-wise, there was a rebellious streak uh, to me as well. I didn't, you know, I found it difficult to play the game, um, and for someone that had their own ideas, you know, not necessarily good ideas, but but wanted to dance their own tune. Uh, and I think if I look back at my childhood, that was probably the case. Even though I, I would say I was quite a good little boy, um, it was it was you know in, almost just there and a desire to to want to create something. Uh, from an early early stage and age was just just there. Stay with me to find out more about that rebellious streak from my business shaper today, Logan Naidu, founder and CEO of Dartmouth Partners and they're the executive headhunting business, executive recruitment business. Time for some more music right now, though. This is BB King with Paying the Cost to Be the Boss. The big bad sound of BB King and paying the cost to be the boss. Logan Knight is my business shaper. He's the boss today uh, here on Jazz Shapers. Um, he's in the recruitment business, got his own business. And you were talking earlier about why corporate life didn't fit. But I, I liked your description of it being a bit of a game. And as you were talking earlier, before you said it, I was actually going, yeah, that, that's what it is. And, it, and business life can sometimes feel like a game. What's it like when you set your own shop up, though? Does the game become a lot more serious? Do the consequences suddenly become much more personal? And if they do, how did you cope with that in the early the early days? The, the good thing about setting up a, uh, your first business when you're 26 is you don't have a lot to, to lose. So I was fortunate enough at that point to have very low running costs. I had bought a house with a friend, so we were renting out two rooms at the time, which meant that our rent was was covered by the two rooms. So economically there wasn't there wasn't a lot on the line you know no kids no family so which was the diff- difference the second time around you know so we could just focus at that point on building the business um and at 26 there, there wasn't really a strategy you know I, i'd set it up with two partners at the time and and i think you know the, the thing about recruitment and you talk about the industry not having a great reputation the there is a low barrier to entry so we had phones we had pcs 
and that was it. There wasn't a lot more to, to setting up a recruitment business. And you start making phone calls and see what happens. Does it matter not having a strategy, not having a business plan, not really knowing where it's going to go? And, and obviously slightly different for the recruitment business, because as you said, it's phones and, and PCs and off you go. But looking back now, do you kind of laugh a little bit and smile? Or actually, is not having a strategy quite a good way forward when you when you kick off your own first business? No, you look back on it and you think you were, you were, you were stupid, to be honest. <laughs> I think um, it does matter having a strategy. You need to have a plan and you need to know where you're going. And even if the the plan is wrong if it's vaguely in the right direction but to adjust that then have no plan and one of the big lessons learned with the first business is we'd built built a business that was was reasonably successful but didn't have a plan and therefore it's a, to some extent there was no heart to it there's no heartbeat in the business and, and it was directionless you know apart from just saying we're going to grow each year you know in what in what way are we going to grow you know with whom uh, with what resources are we going to allocate those kind of questions never really got asked um, and that ultimately was one of the reasons why I ended up uh, wanting to, to exit the business. And find out what happened when he did exit the business because he went off and did another thing, which is what we're talking about today. And um, pretty impressive uh, business he's created too. Lots more coming up from Logan and you're going to be hearing all about that. Ladies travelling in a couple of minutes though. And before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondore for your business. Hello, my name is Dervil Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishkondorea. One practical tip I would give to all customers who have dealings with their banks is at the start of the relationship, particularly when they're drawing down funding, it is very important to get the necessary professional input from either accountants or lawyers as to the terms being offered by the bank. One of the reasons for doing this at the outset is because it is critical to avoid a situation where there is a dispute a year or two years down the line, at which point the die has been cast, and very often from the perspective of the borrower and the legal or professional advisor, it is a case of damage limitation. So I can't stress highly enough the importance of getting professional assistance at the start so that you set your stall out appropriately. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM In partnership with Mishkondorea it's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I meet someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them business shapers. If you'd like to catch any of the 230 or 40 people that we happen to have talked to over the last few years, go into iTunes. You'll find many of them there, and your other destination is cityam.com, amongst others. Logan Naidu is my business shaper today, CEO and founder of Dartmouth Partners, and they are a recruitment business that focus on professional services and fast-growth companies. It's quite a mouthful, but I think I just got through it and ticked the box over there. Logan, we were talking um, before about what you learnt from that first time round and what you took in the second time. And you said something interesting because people don't often associate the, the, what you said with the recruitment business. You said it didn't really have a heart, that first business. Um, people don't associate having a heart, having a soul, having a conscience with the recruitment business. Tell me what that meant to you in terms of setting up version two, Dartmouth Partners. Yeah, like my experience is, like everyone else's, is a, is a mixture of professional and personal. And you know, I think you know this, in 2010, I was diagnosed with cancer. We just had a, a three-month-old at the time. And taking some time out of work wasn't really a lot of time out of work, but having some time to think about uh, what mattered uh, and if I recovered, what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to create a business with a with a with a clear purpose and heart outside of it being an economic engine. Um, and the first business 
I think, was was purely about economics and and you know not that we didn't do things in the right way. I think you know, the business is still around um, and uh, you know hopefully hopefully trading well. I'm not really in touch with with the guys that run it anymore, but um, Dartmouth was was designed to to be a very different beast and and business. And the, the thing that I really wanted to focus on, and I think everyone talks about it, but it really does matter, is culture. Um, and you're right, recruitment has a bad reputation, sometimes rightly so, but you know, I really do believe this. We have the power to change lives. You know, outside of who you marry, what you what you believe and, and then what you do for a living takes up uh, more more time than 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 anything else. You know, I tell tell my my team that I spend more time looking after my uh, fourth child than I than I do raising my my other three. Uh, and so, yeah, having a heart, having a soul to the business is important. Can I ask you if you hadn't have been ill and you were you had cancer, as you said, it's a, a serious illness and and um, it could have it could have gone the wrong way. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't have been ill, do you think? you would have thought about purpose and culture in the way that you did so profoundly. And I know the counterfactual is hard, but just honestly, were you on that track already or was this precipitated by uh, a life-changing event? I think a mixture of both. I think Cornell had grown to a, a decent-sized business, but you know, at the time I was, I was 32, I think, and I really was thinking about the next thing. And like most entrepreneurs, uh, I was a little bit restless and I was really thinking of doing something bigger and better um, and I guess having banked a bit of money at that point not not enough to retire on but a bit you know you can start thinking about what business you want to shape and and, and you know we're not we're not building up we're not putting a dent in the universe but you know that that thing of what impact can you have with others in the right way yeah it was, def- it was definitely on my mind and that would have the cancer probably accelerated that that decision making process because you realize how short uh, a time you've got on this planet Stay with me for more from my business show. That's Logan and I do. Um, time for some more music right now. This is Feria from the young Cuban pianist called Harold Lopez Nusa. <laughs> was Feria from Harold Lopez Nusa, and good it was too. Logan Knight is my business shaper, and as I said earlier, if you didn't catch it though, I will tell you again, he's the CEO and founder of Dartmouth Partners, and they are doing their own thing to make a dent in the re- in the recruitment universe, if not in the total universe. <laughs> I love what you said about the power to change people's lives, and I think um, I'd love to hear more about this purpose in action. Tell me a little bit about, so, so I've got clear now that you wanted it to have a purpose, and you said culture is important. Just give me two or three elements of what makes Dartmouth Partners Dartmouth Partners? So I think uh, the one, the crucial differences about about what we do is we, we focus very much on rising stars and future leaders before they've actually made it. So most search firms will, will have a top-down approach of wanting to focus on you know, very visible CEOs, CFOs, etc. And for us, uh, and one of the exciting things is we want to build that kind of network from the ground upwards. So we, we focus initially on 
graduate recruitment and, and the brightest and the best coming out of university. And then we track those people throughout their careers and help people get now second, third and fourth jobs. So we go from approximately zero up to 12 years experience. Um, and by holding those those relationships from what is quite a young age, you become less transactional and more like a uh, talent management agency than a, than a pure transactional recruitment business. Uh, and that's the, the bit where you get to really know your, your candidate and client base uh, and hopefully nurture them throughout their careers. And how many people work in the business now? And you, you've got an office in Frankfurt, haven't you? That's right. So well. we, launched, we launched Frankfurt uh, at the start of this year, which was our Brexit hedge. Um, we've got 35 people at the moment. And turnover going up significantly. What kind of growth are you looking at year on year at the moment? So if my numbers are correct, by the end of the year, we'll, we'll be averaging 70% uh, compound of growth each year. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I think you know we we had a we have a, had a fantastic start for the first three years. We've we've slowed down this year for a number of reasons, some external. So some you know, the the market has has been a bit wobblier for obvious reasons this year, but also to some extent, you know, um, success came a bit too quickly, too fast. We didn't have the internal processes ready or or, uh, or right, and so we've had to slow deliberately slow down to try and build an internal function so that we can then hopefully go again and my expectation is next year we will we will go go again pretty fast and how are you making sure based on your negative experience of being in a corporate and feeling like a cog that your 35 don't feel like they're in a big or even small corporate and they're having to follow processes and all those things you just described that are, are so powerful how do you ensure that they retain that entrepreneurial spirit that i imagine you want to inculcate with great difficulty um you know, we make very conscious decisions around not wanting to be just like the competition or wanting to build another recruitment business. Um, and the balance of that is obviously we have to we have to learn from the mistakes we make, and we've made plenty of them and continue to make plenty of them. Uh, adapt, uh, embrace some of the better things that uh, our peers and competitors are doing, whilst also making sure that we again, you know remember who we are while we started the business and going back to basics um, and we you know, we give we give a quarterly update uh, on how we're doing and, and where the company's going um, and for me that's a very good re- refresh on going back to you know, right back to basics and the fundamentals of why why the business exists and you, know, you can get very caught up in the numbers and the growth uh, but we are in the business of dealing with people's lives and so you know, one thing that I really detest about the industry is putting, you know, really trying to, to force people into jobs that they don't want. Uh, and we deal with largely people who are far smarter than we are. And so this is a job about educating people. You know, we're advocates and evangelists for the, for the businesses we represent. But we want to work with businesses who care about their staff. And, and nowadays, you know, you'd be crazy to, to not do that. You know, they're, they're the heartbeat of your, your business and will remain so despite technology and despite progress. Uh, and and we're the facilitators of that. Stay with me for my final chat with Logan. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Louis Prima. That's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. You better come inside, let me teach you how to dive and wheel. The super upbeat sound of Louis Prima with Jump, Jive and Whale. Logan Knight is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Uh, I want to cut straight to the chase. You talked really eloquently about that 
vision that you want your f- team to feel about the importance of the fact they're changing people's lives you meant you, you focus on that even though there's process that's got to underpin all those things how would they describe you your team because here you are now trying to ensure your company isn't the company that you worked for many years ago i don't mean the one you set up i mean way way back in those big corporate days what would be the the adjective they would use to describe you driven and uh, another one give me one more i think i'm gonna give you a couple Driv- driven encouraging and a pain good i wanted to get that in the bank because i can imagine you're all three good that, and that, that's important your personal ambition logan um so you've built this company it's still in its early days you're four years in what is it are you looking for an event are you looking to make this a 350 people company you said at the first cornell when you did it the economic engine was the driver now you've got something else you've got a purpose you you've got a culture you've also got a great powerful economic engine what does success look like for you personally i don't mean the business i mean but for you what makes you happy what will make you happy about the next few years uh, story of your business i'd like obviously like the business to grow i'd like it to be global so as you mentioned we've gone to frankfurt we'll look to go to other geographies in the next few years um i'd like it to have a great reputation with all the people that we interact with so people know that if you come and talk to us you will be treated differently to talking to our peers or competitors um, and having that reputation that's ingrained when we started out I often used to talk about being the McKinsey of recruitment um, and you know not losing sight of that that's that's the aspiration you know that people people know you know whether you like them or don't like them or use them or don't like them, use them um, McKinsey have a great reputation and building that um, you build it person by person. Every phone call and every email you send is marketing, either good marketing or bad marketing, and I believe that. And so you know, we were talking earlier on about treating people with respect and dignity. Um, you know, I go back to this. It might mean a bit more money in your pocket, but you you're really are dealing with people's lives. Mm. And whether they're happy at work or not happy at work, that impacts their family life. Uh, and, and that has way more meaning, ultimately, than than you putting putting a bit more money in your bank account now and you, and talking about money obviously money is a byproduct of, of being a, in a successful business or creating a successful business but for you again just thinking about what what really matters in your life what is it now because you've come through the illness you you've you've got your family you've got this this business which is really growing at the end of the day though what for you really matters i do think you know who knows how long i've got left on this planet and you do think about that having had cancer, you know, you go for your checkups uh, and and at those points, you never know which way they're going to go. And so ensuring that we have a business that is lasting, that lasts beyond me. So what do I think I'll do this forever? No, I don't think I'll do it forever. You know, I think I've got more things that to come. One of the things I'm really uh, passionate about is we've just helped launch a charity called uh, Opera, um, which uh, is helping... Uh, teenagers are not in education, employment or training, uh, become employed. And there are a million in this country, uh, 70 million globally. And I'm really keen that we can use our skills that we've got and acquired to get that million number down in this country. So not just uh, helping successful people become more successful or great business become uh, even better. I think this is about having having greater impacts in society at large. It's been really good to talk to you, um, and thank you for being so candid as well. Uh, good luck with everything. Thank I, you. I, I think um, 
it's fantastic to hear songs come back from an illness like that and really made use of it without that sounding a strange thing to say. Just before I let you go there, Logan, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Uh, I've chosen Nina Simone's version of Cinnamon, um, partly because it's a fantastic song and I really like it. Um, but the words have meaning. She's singing about the Day of Judgment and looking for uh, a place of refuge on that on that day. And, you know, as you've interviewed 250 CEOs and entrepreneurs and, and we spend so much of our time being judged by our staff, our peers, um, our clients um, and I know, I know I'm not perfect. And we get, I get a lot wrong. Um, and I guess on my ultimate day of judgment, uh, which could come at any time, uh, you know, as, as a Christian, I know that I won't be like the man in the song running around, that I'm safe in the hands of Jesus. Here it is just for you. Thank you. Oh, cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to? All on that day, will I run to the rock? Please hide me and run to the rock. Please hide me and run to the rock. That was Nina Simone with Cinnamon, the song choice of my business shaper today, Logan Naidu. Fantastic stuff around creating a purpose for a business. And in his business, as he said, it was the power to change people's lives. I haven't heard recruitment talked about like that. Phenomenal stuff. And also, finally, very interesting, he talked about his legacy being about building a reputation for the name of his business. All absolutely phenomenal. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.